0: I, you could peel me off the ceiling tonight. Just warning you up front, uh, I was getting into God's word today in preparation uh, and just going over the scriptures that we're going to be talking about, and um, I could probably overwhelm a few people. Just if you, were in, if you were in my midst, I could maybe have overwhelmed you with my excitement because I am on fire. And I am excited. And I'm really hoping tonight I can get you a little bit excited, too, about God and about his promises and about prayer in particular, because we are in our Prayer Revolution series. And tonight, we're going to be doing part two of how to get answers to prayer. I really believe that one of the things that discourages people is when they pray and don't get answers, You know, it just, it makes people question God or question if God loves them or cares about them or where is God or something like that. And I think that the majority of why people aren't getting answers to prayer is not understanding. God's word specifically talks about prayer in a way that God wants us to have confidence when we go to him. God wants us to know that when we go to him, we can count on him because God is faithful. God is not wishy-washy. God is not, okay, you know, like unpredictable. God is faithful. God is reliable. God is solid. God is love. God is for us. Now, last week, in part one, we talked about one of the things that holds people back is not knowing what's available to pray for. People pray for things that aren't available from God and then get, you know, frustrated and say, why isn't God there? Or people pray for things that, uh, the the word of God says that if we ask according to his will, he hears us. And that if he hears us, we will receive what we ask for. So it's what's available, we want to line up what we're praying with what is God's will. And we looked at last week, I just, just in case you missed last week, I I want you to know the part one, at least the short version, and uh, is that we can know what's available to pray for by his word. God's word is his will. There are promises in his word that are for us. And if they're the will of God, and we pray for them, we will get answers to our prayers. We also looked at some things that aren't available from God, you know, that that you can pray for. You cannot pray to change somebody else's free will. It's frustrating, isn't it? I know that's one's a little crazy-making, because I know a lot of our prayers tend to go in that direction, and um, that's one of the more popular ones where God is, uh, where people pray and don't get answers. God won't cross over somebody's free will. Otherwise, we wouldn't be doing some of the crazy things that we do. You know, if God could actually cross over that, why would we do these, some of these crazy things? Um, the other thing, too, is that we looked at last week that there are some promises that come with a condition. Some promises are unconditional. Healing is a promise of God that you don't need to do anything for. There are other promises in God's word. It talks about um, in terms of, of prosperity and God providing financially that are conditioned on giving. It actually is connected. There's, you, know, you don't read it anywhere in the Word of God that it's not, that those things aren't connected. That's how we show faith in God. But today, the part two is we're going to be looking at the number one key to receiving anything from God in terms of the promises of God is by faith. So we're going to be looking at that and, and why that's a huge key and what faith looks like and how can we get it. And I want to take you to Mark 11. The key to, bel- to receiving from God is believing. Faith is, b- is basically believing. But with the object, it's not just believing. Sometimes people think faith is just positive thinking. The faith, the Greek word pistis, is to believe, but it's to believe God. It's to believe him, to believe his promises, to trust God. It's trust. It's it's believing, but it's towards an object. It's not just positive thinking. Um, the power is not just in believing. It's in the object that we're believing in, which is God Almighty. So Mark chapter 11, in verse 22, it says, uh, Jesus is speaking, and... Um, this is right, it's kind of funny, because Jesus walks by this fig tree and and curses it, and it dies. And so the disciples are like, oh, my God, you you know, you, uh, well, we'll just go back in verse 20. In the morning, they went along, and they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed is withered. And then Jesus says in verse 22, have faith in God, Jesus answered. Again, faith is, the, is always towards God. Um, if you have faith, you know, if you believe in something, you gotta if you're believing something that can't deliver, that's not gonna do jack squat. You know. <laughs> yeah. I believe that chair can heal me. Good luck with that. <laughs> um and then in verse twenty-three it says, I tell you the truth, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself in the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Now, <laughs> And you know what's funny is in the Old Testament, we've seen people do this at times, right? Getting a mountain to jump in a lake is not much different than parting of the Red Sea, you know, or some of the other miracles that we've seen in the Old Testament. But Jesus Jesus is using a very extreme example of something that would be phenomenal, saying, if that, because there, you know, if um, it's still got to be according to the will of God, so it doesn't really mean just believe, you know, that just sit there and concentrate. I can see it now. The mountain jumps in the lake. The mountain jumps in the lake. That's not what i sp- speaking about. But if it is a promise of God, it says, if you believe something even as big as that, it will be done. And then it says in verse 24, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. So that's the key. When you're praying, what we need to do to receive, if you believe, you'll receive. If you're asking according to the will of God, which is what we learned last week, any of the promises that we read that, are, that God says in God's word, if you believe it, you will have it. Now, I want to kind of take a look at faith because sometimes people have this sort of funny idea, too, that faith is something that you can... Um you know, just sort of concentrate enough and have it, or, do you know, I don't know, visualize or what have you. Faith means trust. Now, trust is not something that that just happens automatically. Trusting God, there are reasons that sometimes we don't trust God, and that is because everyone else in our lives has usually proved to be untrustworthy in some ways. People are untrustworthy. So we wind up looking at God with those same doubts and those same, you know, well, gosh, if everybody else has let me down, why wouldn't God? So we have walls and we have guards and all kinds of things that we're going, you know, we live where we're waiting for the other shoe to drop. You know, I don't want to get my hopes up and get let down because that's what's happened to me before. God is different than people. But part of this is how do we grow our faith? We're going to look at that because faith can be built. God can, you can build faith. We're actually doing a series in the fellowships right now called Faith on Fire. And uh, it's it talks about the fact that there are, in the book of Acts where they had all these miracles, there were five things that they did that all built faith. And it was studying the word of God is one of them, like reading God's word and knowing. Because what happens is when you read the word of God, you start saying, oh, you, you go, wow, God's not against me, because, you know, you ever pray and think, oh, God, you know, I don't deserve it, you know, and you start questioning that, or God hates me, and you read the word, and you're like, no, God loves me, and he says he wants these good things for me, and your faith gets built that way. Also, your faith gets built by knowing what the promises are and what the promises aren't, you know, and, and being clear on what you can pray for. It also says prayer helps build our faith, just the continually going and seeking God out instead of being self-reliant helps us trust God because the more we pray and we see answers to our prayers in things it builds faith for other things that's one of the things it also says that we need fellowship we need to be around other believers that are fired up for God you are not going to be fired up for God if you're doing the lone solo walk or if you're just surrounding yourself with people that don't believe God if you got a bunch of people that haven't that say, ah, there's no God, ah, it's all a bunch of baloney, or that's, you know, we need fellowship, because the world out there is a place that's going to beat up on us. We need to be around believers to fuel our faith as well, because how, think about what difference it makes, how, when you start seeing God work in other people's lives, you know, you go, well, I, I haven't got prayers answers, but you just hear from somebody else, wow, God did this and that, and you're like, oh, you know, and it's kind of encouraging, isn't it? You know, or you prayed for somebody and it happened. Or other people are praying for you and it comes to pass. Or people are just telling you, God will do it for you. He loves you. That's a part of how we build our faith as well. It also says that giving financially builds faith. That that's one of the things that they did in the book of Acts too, because it's one of these crazy things that you can do something concrete because it's a walking out in faith, physical And you see God all of a sudden answering your prayers that way, and you're going, oh, God really does work. And then it says sharing your faith builds faith. Sharing and talking about God and what God's done for you actually builds your faith as well, you know, because it reaffirms. Because how many times if you don't share it with somebody do you forget what God's done before for you? You know, you just, and you go, wait, where did I come from? But you start telling somebody else your story and some of how God's blessed you, and you're like, oh, yeah. You know, And they get blessed, too, and they see it in their lives. So that's another way. So there's five things that they did, as well as them walking out in the Holy Spirit. So Faith on Fire, if you haven't checked it out in the fellowships, it's a great way to build your faith. So you can build faith, but we're going to look a little bit more at some of the other elements of faith. Let's go to Romans uh, 4. And in Romans, we're going to read a little bit about Abraham, who says he was the father of faith. If you got your Bibles, there's Bibles in the... Um, I'll weigh there. It's always good to look at the scripture or if you got a Bible on your phone. Romans 4 and in verse 16, you'll see some of the principles of what faith looks like. In Romans 4, in verse 16 it says, so it's talking about, um, oh here, actually let's start as it says that they, that God says in, in the end of verse 16 that he is the father of us all and the father of faith. In verse 17 it says, As it is written, I made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. Now I really want you, I really want to take a look at this because Abraham is called the father of faith because what happened, if you don't know the story... God told him that he's going to have a child with his wife, and they're both 100 years old, which is not the normal child-bearing age. And it was a miracle. She was barren, and they got blessed. And so what this is saying about faith, there's a few things here. It Well, actually, I should tell you this, too. God told Abraham to change his name before he ever had any children. He's 100, no kids. And he said, I want you to change your name to father of nations. Now, so that meant he'd have to go tell people, how do you do? I'm father of nations. How many children do you have? Well, none. You know, and they're probably walking away going, oh, i kind of old, you know, father of nations, delusional. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I don't know, can you think? It's 100 years old, oh sure, father of nations, no kids yet. Um, but I want you to get, it says that God calls the things that aren't as though they were. What does that mean? he doesn't have any kids yet, and God's calling him like he's already got him. Now, not only does God speak that way when he's referring to his promises, but we need to speak that way, too. If God promises something, we need to speak that we've already got it. I'm telling you this stuff about protecting ourselves, about not letting get let down or not waiting for the other shoe to drop. That's not faith. It doesn't feed faith. It doesn't do anything to help trust God. We need to speak. I don't care if we don't got it or not say, my God heals. Yeah, okay, I haven't seen it yet, but my God heals. My God provides all my needs. We want to speak the promises of God. We want to speak and confess because the reality, the reality If you look at just the flesh, the reality would say, I'm old, too bad for me, God left me out, it's too late for me, my wife's barren. That would be just looking at the circumstance, do you know what I mean? We want to embrace truth, but part of the reality, part of the truth is that God promised him a child. If God promises, he's going to do it. But how do we get there is by believing. And and in order to get to the place that we believe, we want to confess what God says, not what the crummy circumstances are. Because the reality is, is our God is bigger than your circumstance. If God promised it, he's able and willing to do it. We want to speak that this is the will of God. Why would we confess anything other? Because I'm sorry, our God is bigger than whatever your situation is. Whatever the, whole, whatever the drawback, whatever the circumstance, we have a mighty God and we want to speak that way. That's why it, God, God spoke it to Abraham and told Abraham he needs to speak it too. Abraham to put his butt out in the line probably looked like an idiot a little bit. And, but you know what? But he did it. You know, instead of like, oh gosh, what are people going to think of me? Like, uh, you know, I'm delusional. Like, I'm being too positive. You know? You know, just like, what do you got to lose? Do you know what I'm saying? Except for looking stupid for a little while, maybe. So it says in verse 18, we'll continue, such a great record. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him the fact that God told him it's the promise if it's written in God's word it's written to you it's God said it i believe it it's um that's what he said he basically said god you said it i believe it that's what he's saying you said it i believe it that's where we want to be it said so it said just as it had been said so he he believed it says so shall your offspring be and then in verse 19 without weakening in his faith he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead it's not like he is denying the reality of that he's accepting that but saying i get it it looks foolish but my god's bigger he's not we're not talking about not being in reality we're saying i'm looking at it but i know what god says and i believe it and that's reality as well so then it says because we have a god of miracles it says, um, yeah, his body was dead since, he was about, since he's about 100, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God. He didn't budge from that promise, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. So you also see... <sighs> oh, wait, I want to read the next one, actually. Being fully persuaded... That God had power to do what he had promised. And you see some elements here, which I really think are cool, in terms of faith. So we see that you can have weak faith, and you can get strengthened in faith. And so we can do something about that. We can actually say, I'm not okay with where my faith is. I'm not going to just settle for that. My faith is crummy right now, but I'm not staying here. I want to believe what God's word says. And those things that, you, that you're talking about in Faith on Fire, if you do, look, what are you missing out of those five? What could you use more of? Your faith can be wherever you want it to be. You just feed feed that. And it's possible to believe and trust God more. It also says, so you can be strengthened in faith. And then it also says, that you can see he was persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. So he, got, he, got, he gets the, in, in this section, there's two areas that I think we, we need to look at God that he's able and willing. Because usually our faith wavers in one of those two places. Either we doubt that he's able. Wow, my problem's too big. I don't think God can do that. I've never seen it done, so how is that possible for God to pull something off like that? I never saw a miracle. I never saw it. You know, that? do you see where that will comes into play where it's like, I don't think God can because I haven't seen something. Or we say, or you're just making God small. Or you go, he's not willing. He could, I believe he's powerful enough, but I don't think he wants to. And there's all kinds of areas that we get doubts about that of saying, you know, it could be God's mean. You know, he's just a mean God. It could be that we're not good enough, that the doubts are, well, I don't think I, I didn't, you know, I, I I didn't go to church enough, or, you know, I uh, wasn't, get, you know, uh, didn't read my Bible enough this week, or I had some mean thoughts, or, you know, I've had a, whatever, and you're just going, why would God do that for me? But those five things that we talk about in Faith on Fire that I just told you about, you know, reading the Word, prayer, fellowship, giving, and sharing your faith, all five of those, you know, just look at which, which ones you got to dial up. Maybe you got to dial up all five. <laughs> it's doable, and it's not exactly like, none of those things are not not fun. Like, that's what's cool about it, too. This is not like God's asking us to do things to build our faith that suck. <laughs> fellowship. Fellowship's fun. <laughs> Being around people that love God and that are excited and full of faith, that is fun. And it feeds your faith. Okay. Um, so pretty cool. Let's go to Matthew chapter 8. We'll <laughs> to see a record of a, somebody that had a lot of faith that Jesus was excited about. And in Matthew 8 and verse 5, uh, it's a story. Let's see. it says, When Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies home paralyzed and in terrible suffering. Jesus said to him, I will go and heal him. Pretty pretty cool. Uh, And you know what? You never, ever see Jesus saying no to somebody getting healing. I challenge you to find that in the Bible. There is not one place that Jesus said, well, it's not for you. You know, God's, God told me it's really better for you to just stay the way you're, where you're at with that. God told me that. It's just much better for you. Now, why is it that we think that that's how God relates when we, you can't even read that anywhere in the, in the Bible, not once? Nobody has been turned away. So here, Jesus says, sure, I'll go to your house and heal him. And then in verse 8, the centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. (laughs) But just say the word, and my servant will be healed. I love the man's heart and humility that he had so much respect for Jesus that he's like, oh, You you, you, you know, like he just, the humility that he had, he's like, oh, no, no. But then, so he has humility, but what's really cool is it's combined with, Him saying, if you say it, it's a promise from God. Oops. So I know it's going to happen. So all he needed to do is say, give me the promise, Lord, and I'll believe it. Just say the word. That's where we want our faith to be. If God says it, we believe it. That's where we want to be. You say it, God, you know, it's got to be true. (laughs) Thanks. I'm just so touched by the man's heart, you know. But he also understands, so he, sees the, so he wants to know the willingness. Again, willingness and ability. He says, just say the word. And then he explains in verse 9, for I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does this. So he's saying, I know you have the power, because I understand what power means. You know." So he's like, I know you can do it. I just need you to know that you're willing to do it. And then it says, um, when Jesus heard this, he was astonished and said the following to him, I tell you the truth. Or, yeah, I tell you the truth. I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. And then um, it says in verse 13, oh, no, no, yeah. Oh, in verse 13, then Jesus said to this and go, it will be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that very hour. You know, so that's where it's a great thing because I think what Jesus is saying is oftentimes when you're ministering healing, if you, you looked at where Jesus was healing, sometimes he would put mud on somebody's eye. And sometimes the apostles, they would do things like lay on somebody and then they come back to life or all these things. That sometimes it takes those things to help somebody believe that God's going to do it. But this guy just said, you just say it. I'm uh, you, you got me. You know, so that's, that was the indication. Pretty cool. Okay. Let's go to another one. Um, I want to show you the opposite, in Matthew 13, what unbelieving looks like and, uh, and how much you miss out by it. I should not be crying during teaching. It makes my nose run. <laughs> Matthew 13. Now, here's Jesus that he's been, you know, ministering and healing thousands, and nobody's turned away. So he comes to a town where he can't heal anybody. Guess why? We'll take a look at Matthew 13 in verse 21. Um, wait. I feel like I did the wrong. Th- no, I did. Say, sorry, Matt 53, 53. I knew that that looked funny. Matthew 13 and verse 53 it says, when Jesus finished these parables, he moved on from there. And in verse 54, coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue, and they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miracles and powers? Now, <laughs> it says, um, they asked in verse 55, isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? Aren't his brothers James James? Joseph, Simon, and Judas, aren't all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. So it says in verse uh, 57, it says, Then Jesus said to them, 'Only Only in his hometown and in his own house is a prophet without honor. In verse 58, he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. I'm telling you, cynicism is not faith. You want to get rid of it. These people were looking at Jesus and saying, ah, how could that be? We have grew up with this guy. How could he do anything? His sisters still live here. How could he be anything special? Jesus did miracles everywhere he went where thousands got healed, and he could do nothing in that town because they didn't believe. Because they just wanted... That's what protecting your heart and not having hope and faith will do. Oh, I'm not going to let anything get pulled over on me. Do you know what I mean? Like, we don't want to be in that place where we have guards on our heart that we're not trusting God. If you see them, we want to pull them down, guys. Because what is it that we're protecting? We want to be in the place, like, I don't want to be in this place where you could face Jesus Christ that could do all the miracles, and he can't do anything? Because all they were doing is trying to pick it apart, trying to be a Debbie Downer. Do you know what I mean? Like, eh, he can't do anything. Eh, why should I believe that? Eh, why do I get my hopes up? Eh, wah, 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 wah. This is not faith. I don't want to miss out. Do you? You know, I don't want to miss out. We want to be in a place that we're feeding our faith. Not skepticism, not cynicism, not doubt. I'm not saying that you don't have doubts, but decide you don't want to stay there. You see it, go, I'm not staying here. I'm not saying ignore doubts. You don't hear me saying that. I'm not saying be delusional. I'm not saying any of those things. I'm saying if you see it in your heart, go, I'm not okay with it. I want to walk with God where I see the Lord Jesus Christ do miracles in my life. I want to see the power of God. I want to see the promises of God come to pass. This book is full of promises where we can live life to the full. Jesus Christ promised that. It is available to walk like that. It's available to walk with faith in a way that we see God in our lives on a regular basis. It takes faith. I want to go uh, to Mark 9. Oops. Mark 9, Matthew, Mark, Luke... Mark, Uh, and there's just like, so we kind of see, we don't want the unbelief, and now this is what you can do, some of how we want to respond to it in Mark 9. Um, There's a situation where a man uh, has the disciples praying for his son, and they were healing people like crazy too. They were laying hands, miracles, healings were happening with the disciples but one man brought his son to the disciples and he kind of says oh your disciples couldn't heal my son you know <laughs> so that he so that basically we're going to pick it up in verse um 21 Jesus asked the boy's father how long has he been like this from childhood he answered it has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. So he's saying this is pretty serious. Imagine having a child and how frightening this would be if your child was having convulsions where he's seeing that, that his child's facing death all the time and almost dying repeatedly because the got, kid's got a demon and it's throwing him into the fire, throwing him into the water. You know, um, demons can do some pretty scary things. It's funny, like, people don't think this anymore. Dude, uh, I just saw an episode, not just, but there's an episode of Oprah Winfrey where there's a kid, and it's, the kid's, like, seven years old, and it's, it's frightening. You know, it's, there's a presence of a demon there, and the kid actually tries to kill his mom, repeatedly, at seven years old. Like, and it's just, he says he can feel dark forces coming over him. You know, it's just sort of, so, you can imagine, and I and I, I think about, like, Obviously, it's not the, the it's. This is a little bit of a different manifestation of it, but how frightening that is! I know how frightening it was for those parents to have a child that was in that condition. So you can imagine what parents would be like having a child that's almost getting killed all the time because the presence of a spirit. And then it says. <coughs> so then he says. After that, he says, "If you can do anything." <laughs> and in verse twenty-three. If you can, said Jesus. <laughs> I'm sorry, dude, but that's not the question of if I can. <laughs> I can heal. I, I've, been, I've been healing thousands. Jesus says, if you can, everything is possible for him who believes. Man, you want to memorize that, guys. Everything is possible if you believe. That's what it takes to receive the promises of God. We want to feed our faith. We want to believe the promises. There's so much available to us. We've got to really be in a place that we're not going to stay stuck in, in unbelief and, and in doubt, that we're not satisfied to sit there. So, so Jesus just said, yeah, I'm able, but can, you know. And then he says, it's up to you to believe. And in verse 24, immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Now, don't you think that that sounds like a contradiction? Have you ever read that verse and go, what does that mean? I do believe, help me with my unbelief? Because it really, the words are exactly the opposite. If you look it up and the, you know, it's, it's pistis is the faith and then, you know, unbelief is the opposite. So he, he is saying the same thing. It's not like two different kinds of things. But it's kind of interesting because I was thinking about that, because I was thinking about that and going, okay, why is he saying, I believe? Help me with the fact that I don't believe. I it's funny because I also see, because he's asking for help with his lack of faith, and that's what we want to do as well. If you're stuck, part of praying is praying for God to help you with your unbelief. Have you ever got I know what I can relate to sometimes. You also see that his saying, I believe, guess what that's doing? It's confessing, you know, what's not even there. Sometimes, I don't know about you guys, where I read the Bible and intellectually I go, I believe that that that's true about God, but I don't really believe. Do you know what I mean? Like, God, I know that you're good. I know you can heal, but I'm having a hard time believing that right now. that's my guess at what this is probably speaking to, that he's confessing. It helps to confess that you at least believe it's true in the word. Do you know what I mean? Like, it helps you. It helps me in my prayer life a lot. When I pray and I'm having doubts where I just go, God, I know that you have the power to do this. And I know you're willing to do it. I know you're able. I know you're a God of miracles. I believe that. But I'm having problems in my heart, believing it. It's like I can believe it here, but not here. You know, intellectually, it's like, okay, it makes sense. But you can kind of tell when you believe. Do you know what I mean? There's something that kind of almost clicks into gear where there's a piece where you're going, oh, yeah, God's got this. There's just something where you just go, oh. You know, that's faith. That's what we're looking at is just going, oh, yeah. And it comes from those five things that we talked about. So we really want to be pursuing that. But you can in your prayer ask, so it's pretty cool. And then, of course, Jesus heals them, and turns out great, Um, as usual. But you kind of knew that that was going to be the the way that it ends. Um, Let's go to uh, one more verse in this. So we want to take a look in James 1, because I think that this is also another place. This is where our goal is. So we want to ask for help. We want to be building our faith. Hebrews, James, kind of towards the end of your Bible, uh, James 1. But the goal is to have your faith be solid, you know, where it's not fleeting. Have you ever felt like that, where it's just like, oh, you get a moment, and where'd it go? So, you know, that's not the will of God either for us. In James 1, in verse 2, it says, and I love this, it says... (laughs) I mean, this doesn't sound like you're going to, you probably won't love it when I first read it, but (laughs) James 1, it says, consider pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. Is that how you respond when you get trials? Woohoo, joy. Oh, joy. (laughs) Joy. Joy is an inside job. You can have joy when there are hellish things happening around you. Happiness is superficial and fleeting. We want to live in a way that we're living a life that's got joy, where it's solid, where it doesn't move. It's based on what we're going to read, what's coming. This is, because life is going to have trials. That's delusional if you think that's not going to happen. The world is run by Satan. Satan. You will have trials. It won't be smooth sailing. If you're waiting for that, you'll be sorely disappointed. There will be trials. There's not escaping that. But we want to be in the place that we can have joy in trials, where we can have that sense of serenity and of that inside joy, not misery. It says in verse 3, or yeah, in verse 3, It says, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Now, that word perseverance, and testing just means it's not like, sometimes people treat this like, oh, God's testing you to build your faith. No, no, you can't read that in the Bible either. There's no verses. It just means that you're putting something out there to see if it really holds up. You know, it's it's it, like... Uh, test driving something, or do you know what I mean? It's just sort of, life will, will, life will show you whether the faith is there or not. But it says, um, the testing of your faith develops, and the word perseverance in the Greek is actually patience and steadfastness. So living life with faith, the goal is that your faith would be steadfast that it wouldn't be fleeting that it would be something solid that can last you how would you like to have a faith that lasts you through trials it makes a huge difference to get that you absolutely ha- that God will be there for you and to have faith in that that's what it's talking about that's our goal and then in verse 4 it says perseverance must finish its work so that you might be mature and complete lacking nothing which which is the patience Uh, And steadfastness. Because the goal is that you can be spiritually mature and lacking, not lacking anything. We want to go through life where our faith is so solid that we can feel full all the time. Because the opposite is living like a roller coaster. You ever done that? I have. You know, and that comes from being circumstance controlled. If you're looking for happiness and for the good feeling, your life will be a roller coaster. And it'll feel like hell. It'll be like, oh, I feel good for a minute. Oh my God, I'm at the bottom. Oh my God, I feel good. Oh my God, I'm at. That's what, if you are basing what your life is about on superficial happiness and on the circumstances being good, and that, as opposed to joy and faith, faith is that you absolutely, no matter what's going on, you have peace and serenity and steadfastness because God Almighty is in it with you. That you're not alone. How would you like to live life having more of that? Do you know, like, that is possible to be so, trials come on, but you still love your life. You still feel his presence, you don't feel alone, you don't feel defeated, you don't feel beat down. That's what we wanna get our faith to. We wanna feed our faith so that it's not fleeting, and we can do that. It just takes being faithful to the things that feed it. If you're feeding your faith, I'm telling you, it, it's not going to work. Have if you, if you noticed that? You get high on God, you go to a retreat, and then you don't fellowship? Come on. <laughs> your faith is impacted. You, you go, wow, I feel so on fire for God. I went to a retreat. I feel like I can do anything. God's with me. I'm on a high. And there's no fellowship, no reading the Bible. Maybe you pray for a few days afterwards, and three weeks later, your life sucks. (laughs) Why are we surprised? (laughs) You can have faith, it's not, and it's fun to feed your faith. It is not a downer, it's exciting to live in a way that we know that we know that we know that God's there. It's fun, fellowship, fun. Try reading the Bible, fun. Woo, wow, God says he loves me. Wow, I feel good today. Pray, ah, my burdens feel lighter. I just spent time with God. Hang out with believers. Wow, they just built me up and told me how God loves me. You know, I shared my faith with somebody, and and it made me remember what God did for me. I stepped out in faith and gave them financially so don 't feel like a prisoner to my money, and God provided by mystery checks that came in the mail. <laughs> this is a way to live, isn't it, guys? let's live like this. we can actually, I should read the rest of the verse, but because it kind i just I just gave you the synopsis, but it says. In verse 5, if anyone lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given. Promise of God, huh? Remember promise? You can take that to the bank. Verse 6, when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. That's what it looks like when you're not feeding your faith and you go high for a second, and then all of a sudden, you've got to do things that feed your faith in God or you will not have faith. It's a law. I didn't make it up. Complain to the management. <laughs> you know. But you, we don't want to be unstable. We don't want to live the roller coaster, do we? Why? It's fun to do it the other way. And you can have joy. Through trials. That's the goal, is to have joy through trials. (sighs) Yes. So get to the Faith on Fire fellowships and (laughs) feed that faith. But obviously we're working on, God wants us to be confident in our prayer. God does not want us to pray and not have any idea if he's going to answer. It is possible to get have God answer your prayers and have confidence, and we want to grow in that. First, knowing what's available from God. How to receive it is receiving, believing. The key to receiving is believing. Believing the promises of God. Faith. And faith comes by what we feed, by the five things. We re- Take a look, guys. What, what is it that you're a little short on? You know, it's just, if you feed it and you build a habit, part of it is, like, if you've been out of the habit, it'll take a little energy maybe at the beginning, but after you get in the ha- ha- these habits built and some new godly habits instead of worldly habits, it won't be so hard. It'll be fun, and you'll have faith, and trials will come along, and you go, that's okay. I got God on my side. My God loves me, and I know it because I've seen it. Amen? Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I'm excited. I really am. <laughs> I love you so much, and I love, I love how we can trust you. And I've seen it. I've seen your working power, and I love being on fire for you. And I just pray as a community that we can grow with a holy, fire of faith that just blows our minds and that we can help others to know you and your goodness, to have confidence and faith, and trust, that you are not only able, but you're willing to perform your promises, and that you're faithful. And that God, people might not be able to be trusted, but we can trust you, and life with you is amazing, and exciting, and wonderful in every way. Amen, and amen. amen. Hey, let's give Nancy a big Thanks, Nancy. That was so awesome. I-